Welcome to Humanity's Moment of Choice, Voices for a Thriving Future. This is your Voice America host, Dr. Kurt Johnson. This is the second in our series of Voice America specials from the Evolutionary Leaders Circle. And we are joined today by a number of New York Times bestselling and other award-winning authors, all of whom were contributors to the Evolutionary Leaders book, Our Moment of Choice, Evolutionary Visions and Hope for the Future. Itself a Gold Nautilus, COVR, New York Book Festival, and Living Now award-winning book. And it was exactly about what concerns us here today. The state of our world, the myriad challenges that we face, and our need for wisdom, hope, and transformative skills as we navigate this time of both peril and promise. So I'm joined by two co-hosts from the Evolutionary Leaders Circle, who are also with me co-editors of the book, Our Moment of Choice, which has just been released also by its publisher, Beyond Words, Simon & Schuster, in paperback in May as well. So it's so timely that we're here together. My two co-hosts who'll be joining us now are the Reverend Deborah Moldau, Director of the Evolutionary Leaders, and Dr. Robert Adkinson, a co-editor of our Moment of Choice, and himself a two-time Nautilus Award winner, the first time for his book, The Story of Our Time. So let's do it this way. Let's start with Deborah telling us a bit more about the evolutionary leaders, and then Bob telling us a bit more about the book itself, our Moment of Choice, Evolutionary Visions, and Hope for the Future. So Deborah. Thank you so much, Kurt. We live in perilous times. While climate change threatens the very future of the human race and perhaps all life on Earth, we are seeing the fragility of democracy at home and abroad, the horrifying rise of war in Europe, a global pandemic, and widespread loss of confidence in the institutions that have been foundational to our civilization. And while all of these concerns have brought down civilizations in the past, we now have an unprecedented global civilization visibly interconnected. What this means is that our times call for change in the way we think and the way we live at a planetary scale. How can we accomplish this monumental task? The Evolutionary Leaders Circle is a community of visionaries who have devoted their life's work to this question across various fields of endeavor. The anthology book, Our Moment of Choice, offers samples of the hopeful visions of 43 members of the Evolutionary Leaders Circle in an open invitation for all readers to join the evolution at this critical turning point in our history. Our lead editor, Bob Atkinson, can tell us more about the book. Bob? Thanks, Deborah and Kurt. It's been a delight to work with both of you on the editorial team for this book, as well as with Diane Williams on the book team, and with all 43 contributors. This book is really a testament to how rewarding teamwork can be. It was synergy and action that brought this book into being. 
After proposing the concept for the book with an outline, it was amazing how it all came together and evolved into this multi-award winning book with the collaboration of the book team and all the contributors. When we first started putting this book together in early 2019, we wanted to bring hope to a world faced with unprecedented crises. Then the pandemic hit and spotlighted all those crises even more. Now with this paperback release, we're more convinced that there has never been a moment in history when humanity has faced such a range of vitally critical choices as we have before us today. We may be emerging from the pandemic if we're lucky, but we still have a lot of work to do. All the global crises that were mentioned are still very much with us, threatening our very survival. Humanity continues to be afflicted by strife and division, and our collective will to achieve the age-old vision of peace on earth is being tested as never before. Yet many, we have many lessons yet to learn from the pandemic. But one thing is clear now, that all these global crises are tied together. They are interdependent with each other. This holistic perspective is needed more now than ever. Our moment of choice offers the framework for a new story that contributes to restoring the world to its inherent wholeness. As Deepak Chokra said in his chapter, the road to wholeness begins by knowing what's at stake, a complete shift in the way we relate to reality. In this new story, as clearly illustrated throughout the seven thematic circles in our moment of choice, bridges are being built across boundaries to form a global community and create a culture of peace. This is a story in which the entire universe is alive and conscious, in which we are stewards of both ecological balance and economic integrity, in which we work with the mind-body-spirit connection to heal ourselves and the planet, in which we use education and research to, to awaken, elevate, and evolve consciousness, in which we view the entire cosmos as a fully integrated whole, and in which we envision the whole to support sustainability, prosperity, and global transformation. My chapter, A Holistic Vision of Evolution and Consciousness, offers a big picture perspective of what ties all things together in this vast creation. If we have a holistic view of reality, as the Buddha did, that all things originate from one essence and are destined to one aim, we will see evolution in all realms as purposeful and directional, leading toward wholeness and unity. This has played out over many spiritual epochs that have each brought about a leap in consciousness. The nature of consciousness itself is to evolve toward wholeness and unity as well. We see this unfolding all around us right now, in the streets and everywhere. In the epilogue, to our book. Kurt and I pull together all the threads of the book from each chapter to show how they are all connected as threads of one tapestry, as threads of one flowing narrative leading to the outcome envisioned by all the world's wisdom traditions, a time of humanity reaching its maturity 
leaving its reckless adolescent ways to build a better world of cooperative communities caring for all life. We see great hope on the horizon. A holistic view of our world helps us understand our role in it better, as well as our hidden potential to fulfill our innate destiny. This is our moment to support an evolutionary leap, to co-create a collective vision of a just, peaceful, and flourishing world, to nurture authentic relationships, to build vibrant and compassionate communities working together to uplift all, and to join hands across differences and across boundaries, all for the betterment of the world. Well, thank you so much, Reverend Deborah Muldow and Dr. Robert Atkinson from the Evolutionary Leaders Circle. And as co-editors of our Moment of Choice, Evolutionary Visions and Hope for the Future. And thanks, Bob, for telling us more about your chapter in our Moment of Choice, A Holistic Vision of Conscious Evolution, as I'll be introducing each of our guests with information about their chapter contribution in this award-winning book. So let's go over now to our first author from our moment of choice, Dwayne Elgin, celebrated author and filmmaker of Choosing Earth and his many other well-known books like Voluntary Simplicity, The Living Universe, and many more. In our moment of choice, Dwayne wrote in the second circle of authors on restoring ecological balance. You'll see much more about Dwayne at DwayneElgin.com and at the Voice America show page for this program as well. Now, the central question that we've asked all of our guests on this program has been, how does humanity's moment of choice look to you today in 2022, some two years after the original release of the book? And each is answered in their own way and in ways that are truly inspiring and compelling. So now over to Dwayne Elgin, who has also brought with him several other guests who will also be well known to you. And they will especially be speaking about how the challenges of the future look to them right now. So over to Dwayne Elgin. Thanks, Kurt. I'm pleased to have this opportunity to speak about humanity's time of great transition as a species and to explore the world that is unfolding in the coming decades. To begin, we know the human journey is in big trouble. First, we know our actions are producing climate change, which is producing an uninhabitable Earth and pushing us to swiftly change how we live on this planet. Second, our actions are producing one of the greatest extinctions of animal and plant life in the Earth's history. Third, population is growing unsustainably. The regenerative capacity of the Earth's land and oceans can sustain roughly 2 billion people, and yet we now have nearly 8 billion people and are headed towards 10 billion people by the end of this century. To make sense of these and other challenging trends, I want to share a short audio segment from the documentary film Facing Adversity, Choosing Earth, Choosing Life, that was produced and directed by my partner and wife, Colleen. In this segment, you will hear four voices in the following order. Joanna Macy, 
Victoria Santos, Nate Hagens, and myself. Here's the clip. Great turning, which is what? It's a transition we're in. We're in it now. It's a transition. We're learning so much in science and in grassroots community building. It's not something we do instead of the collapse. It's something that can guide us through it. My preposition these days is through. Honey, we're going to have to go through this. The opportunity of this time is for us to evaluate and reassess our priorities as a species. We need to look at what our relationships are to each other, to our families, to our community, and really assess our values. We've arrived at a species-level conversation, our species, and we need to own this to find a path forward. We have entered an extraordinarily rare moment in humanity's collective journey. The path for generations to come will depend on people alive today. We cannot predict where humanity will go from here for one simple reason. Our future depends on our individual and collective consciousness and the choices that emerge from that consciousness. That audio segment is an excerpt from the major documentary produced and directed by my wife and partner, Colleen LaDrew Elgin. You can watch it here on our website, choosingearth.org. When we look at these driving trends from a big picture perspective, we can see three major pathways are now emerging. One, a pathway of crash and collapse. Two, a pathway of authoritarianism. And three, a pathway of great transition. All three pathways have the same beginning. They each start with a time of great unraveling in the 2020s, followed by a great fall in the 2030s, and are then followed by a time of great sorrow in the 2040s. Let's review each pathway briefly. The first pathway is one of crash and collapse. It's a business-as-usual approach where we make small changes that do not upset the status quo. In making only small, gradual changes, systems unravel, and this culminates in a devastating evolutionary crash and the collapse of civilizations around the Earth. The second pathway is an authoritarian future that is empowered with artificial intelligence. Collapse is prevented but at the cost of human freedom and creativity. Just before we crash, authoritarian controls pull back the forward momentum, and this produces a stagnant future, one of constraint and conformity. A digital dictatorship controls our future. It can also produce ruthless leaders making decisions for all. The third pathway is one of great transition. Like the crash and the authoritarian pathways, the great transition pathway begins with a time of great unraveling, 
followed by a great fall, and then moves into a time of great sorrow. The old world is breaking down, and a new world is being born. This is a pathway of collective initiation with tremendous pressures for us to mature and to wake up as a species. The great sorrow that accompanies this time of transition moves the family forward from our collective adolescence and into our early adulthood. To realize the potentials of the third pathway of great transition, a new paradigm or way of looking at reality is required. For the past 300 years or so, we in the West have been living primarily in a non-living universe that we assume is dead at the foundations. If we regard the universe as non-living at the foundations, we will tend to see ourselves as separate material beings. In turn, an emphasis on consumption will be the natural result of a materialistic worldview. However, if we regard the universe as a unified, living organism of which we are an inseparable part, then we will tend to see ourselves as a part of a larger aliveness, and we will tend to care for all that exists. An emphasis on simplicity of living is a natural result of recognizing we live in a living universe. I think all three pathways, collapse, authoritarianism, and transformation, are likely to continue into the future. The question is, which one will guide us through humanity's initiation and into our early adulthood? And which one will your actions support? Because the paradigm of aliveness is so important to a transforming pathway, I want to bring the reality of aliveness into our everyday world with a short audio segment. Have you ever had the experience of seeing a delicate aliveness in the world? Have you ever looked at a flower or the space around you and seen a subtle glow, a luminosity, and felt a deep kinship with all of existence? Have you ever experienced a feeling of oneness with the world around you, a feeling of communion with the whole universe? Many people assume that we live in a universe comprised of dead matter and empty space. And this is truly a dark night of the soul if that is the kind of world that we inhabit. Fortunately, ancient wisdom and modern science are coming together and they're revealing the universe in a new way. Instead of dead at the foundation, it is increasingly viewed as a living system in its totality. And certainly at the foundation of all humanity and all of our lives and our life experience is the direct experience of being alive. And it is this experience of profound aliveness that we share with all creatures and all humans. Sometimes I will say to nature, surprise me. And within a few moments, I will see the flight of a bee, the architecture of a flower, there is an astonishing degree 
of beauty and design in nature's creations. We're being called to come into a more intimate and healing relationship with all of life. Thanks so much, Duane Elgin, and also for bringing with you those other important voices. So now, so fitting to this context, we're going to go next to Dr. Bruce Lipton, celebrated for his books, The Biology of Belief, Spontaneous Evolution, The Gospel of Science, and many more. And you can find out much more about Dr. Lipton at brucelipton.com and also at this program's Voice America show page. In our moment of choice, Bruce wrote in the Healing Ourselves and the Planet Circle of Authors, and providing a chapter exactly on point entitled Conscious Evolution, a Theory We Can Thrive On. So now over to Dr. Bruce Lipton. Hi, dear friends, cultural creatives and seekers. I'm Bruce Lipton, author of the best-selling books, The Biology of Belief, The Honeymoon Effect, and Spontaneous Evolution. Well, firstly, I want to thank you for participating with the Evolutionary Leaders Group program on our moment of choice. And there's a reason for this, and that reason is, well, you've seen it. If you've been surfing the web, watching the news, or even looking outside your window, you can see the planet is engulfed in chaos. Well, whether it's relations or religious strife, economic upheaval, um, plague, <laughs> COVID, or war, uh, all of these things going on are not disconnected. They're all part of one major problem in the world that we're facing, and that problem is this. Human behavior has precipitated what is called the sixth mass extinction event on planet Earth. Five times in the history of this planet, life was thriving, and some catastrophic event occurred that wiped out up to 90% of life. The fifth and last extinction process was 66 million years ago when the dinosaurs were here. Lush tropical forests, animals everywhere. A comet hits near the Yucatan Peninsula and wipes out the web of life losing all the dinosaurs, and 75% of life absolutely disappeared from this planet. Well, today, as I said, we're in the sixth mass extinction, and the cause is human behavior. Well, there's all of a sudden a very important insight as to what we should do, and the answer is change human behavior. We have created an unsustainable world situation, raping the planet of all its resources, fighting each other. All of these problems are absolutely anti-evolution because evolution is coming together. And the significance about that is we have seen or are seeing a breakdown of conventional civilization. The significance is important, and that is this. We cannot build a sustainable world on today's foundation of our culture. We have to radically wipe out the culture so we can build a new sustainable version. So as you look around and you see the world coming apart at its seams, recognize this. This is an important part of our evolution. We cannot build a, a sustainable world on today's cultural foundation. So when you look at the world falling apart, uh, People have two options. One of them, people get afraid going, oh, my God, the thing is falling apart. What am I going to do? Uh, the other option is to recognize this, that we can create a new civilization, but you have to get out of the old one so you can build a new one. And the Evolutionary Leaders Group, our moment of choice, recognized a very important point, and that is this. Evolution is not a passive event. 
evolution is a participatory event. Every one of us is involved in an evolutionary upheaval. We have to collectively come together and build a more sustainable world in which to live. So when you see things falling apart as they are, it's like, oh, great, because if it doesn't fall apart, an end is coming soon. The mass extinction we're talking about actually leads to the collapse of civilization. In fact, NASA refers to uh, a collapse called an irreversible collapse of industrial civilization within the next couple of decades. You're seeing it falling apart right now. Point. If you hold on to the old system, it will eat up your life and your energy. It's coming down. It's not going to come back. The idea is we must now recognize there's a pathway to a new and a sustainable civilization. And this is why it is so important that you have been connected with the uh, Evolutionary Leaders Group for our moment of choice is actually a guide. What shall we do? How can we create the new future? So that we're not going into this new world blind. We can manifest it, create it, and make a world that we can all enjoy with health and harmony and happiness. It's all available to us. We just have to let the old system fall down so we can build a new one. So we're all in it together right now. And that's why I'm deeply appreciative of the fact that you are here with us. Again, our moment of choice offers a pathway out of the destruction we're experiencing and into the creation of a new sustainable world, one that we can thrive into. And that's the most important part of the evolution that it's here for all of us, not the 1% that has taken all the world's proceeds and kept it to themselves. It's time for all of us to create a world where we share and work together in harmony, just like the 50 trillion cells that live in your body. Every cell is the equivalent of a miniature human, and guess what? When you're happy, 50 trillion cells in the population called your body are also happy. And so the idea about it is, what if we can create happiness all over? And the point is simple. We can manifest heaven on earth. And, you know, just to give you a little clue, if you've ever fallen in love and experienced something called the honeymoon effect, well, what is that? Well, it's a time of exuberant health and happiness, a time of abundant energy, a time of living heaven on earth. Well, the important insight to that is, this is actually a personal creation, that heaven on earth is available to all of us all of the time. We just have to recognize who we are and how we manifest our life experiences. Because once we understand this, then we have the power to change the way we are living, change our relationship with nature, change our relationship with other people in a way to create harmony, cooperation, and a thrivable future. So thanks for being here because you are absolutely involved in this. And we look forward to your participation because collectively, this is how we're going to make a world that we can thrive into. Thank you for listening. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Bruce Lipton. And now we're going to go to another evolutionary leader, actually one of the founders of the evolutionary leader circle, Dr. Deepak Chopra. Dr. Chopra is a numerous times New York Times bestselling author and, of course, well-known to all of us. Among his most recent well-known books are Metahuman and You Are the Universe. In our moment of choice, Dr. Chopra also wrote in the circle of authors addressing healing ourselves and the planet. 
titling his chapter, Wholeness is Not a Choice. In his words that we're sharing next, he addresses wholeness again. And in talking about the choices that are available to us from our world's countless stories and narratives, what messages he himself is intimately choosing to follow in his life and work right now. You can find out much more about Dr. Chopra at DeepakChopra.com and Chopra.com and at the Voice America show page. So over now to Dr. Deepak Chopra. So to begin with, I would like to share with you that when I was about uh, four or five years old, um, my mother used to tell me spiritual stories um, while I sat in her lap. And she was not only a great storyteller, uh, she would sing the stories from the Puranas, the ancient uh, Indian Sanskrit texts, which literally means uh, ancient stories that covered a wide range of topics, including legends and additional uh, Vedic lore, mythology, and spiritual teachings. So I grew up on spiritual stories. Um, most of the time, these stories were recited uh, by her as she sang to me. And she always ended the story in the evening with what we would today call a cliffhanger. And she'd say, now, uh, dream up the rest of the story and make sure it's a happy ending and make sure that all the, um, all the stories are love stories. So I remember that, and I remember waking up and actually having a story downloaded in my consciousness, which was very similar to the spiritual stories that she told me. So now a little bit on the ancient art of um, storytelling, going back to the Puranas. As far as we know, oral language is uh, maybe about 40,000 years um, um, since its birth. Homo sapiens has existed for 200,000 years. And as far as we know, written language is only about five to 8,000 years. Um, but language began with stories. Up until the cognitive revolution, um, there were eight different types of human species. We call ourselves Homo sapiens, which means the wise ones. But we gave names to the other and that's very interesting how we gave ourselves the name wise ones um, through hubris, humility, or whatever. But we gave names to other species as well. Almost Homo habilis, Homo erectus, Floroensis, etc., etc. And all these different species had um, a language which was very rudimentary. It was either about survival or about, yeah, the, all the stories were about survival. There was no actual storytelling. The language was either mating calls or danger calls or food. And that's how species survived. But then one species, us, uh, created a language for stories. And this was so powerful that we basically got rid of all the other species just through the power of storytelling and human constructs like money, like commerce, like kingdoms, like 
empires, colonialism, uh, and on and on. We created constructs like latitude and longitude and ideas like the Milky Way galaxy. And this is what it means to be human today. To be human is to have a story. And to have a powerful story is to have power. Uh, this is how civilization has evolved. So that's the background. My current story is that I'm invoking in myself the story at the moment of um, a great seer, a great sage called Ashtavakra, A-S-T-H-A-B-A-K-R-A, Ashtavakra. He was born um, deformed with all his four limbs deformed. And he had eight deformities and he was uh, the size of a dwarf. And when the great um, king of Mithila, the ancient um, uh, mythical kingdom of God, but the great king Janaka was like Caesar, a very powerful king of this uh, great kingdom. When he was defeated by other um, uh, powerful uh, forces and other materialistic forces and left destitute, he met Ashtavakra, the deformed child genius spiritual savant, who actually told him that um, the self of the individual is the self of the universe. And he educated King Janaka um, from his uh, superstition of materialism to his quest for the divine. Ashtavakra also dictated the Gita, not the Bhagavad Gita, which is part of the Mahabharat, but another Gita, which talks about liberation from suffering. So Ashtavakra, with his eight deformities, is a link to our um, memory of loss of grace, which comes from losing our connection to the divine within us. And the eight limbs of yoga are a memory to how to resurrect our soul while we reinvent everything else, including our body and our mind. And in my personal case, entering the fourth ashrama of my life, which is about spiritual revelation and self-realization, my quest right now is to remember, 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 two words, that which was dismembered, our connection to source or divinity or infinite being, which is who we truly are beyond all stories. And that remembrance is through the eight limbs of yoga. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Deepak Chopra. And thank you for your own life and work, which are such a testament to the world-serving work that we all need to be dedicating ourselves to at this time. Now, next, we have one of our co-hosts, the Reverend Deborah Moldau, interviewing Dr. Jude Curavan. Dr. Curavan is a well-known British cosmologist and anthropologist and author of the influential book, The Cosmic Hologram, and other well-known books. 
and offering us in 2022 a new book, The Story of Gaia. You can find out much more about Dr. Kuravan at judecuravan.com and at the Voice America show page. In our moment of choice, Dr. Kuravan wrote in the circle of authors addressing integrating science and spirituality on a title that is central to her own work, The Whole World View, A Guide to Conscious Evolution. So over now to Deborah and Dr. Jude Kuravan. Well, I'm so excited to be here with evolutionary leader, cosmologist, and dear friend, Dr. Jude Kuravan. She is such an amazing um, uh, thinker, philosopher, scientist, and, and she brings so much spirit to everything that she does with her totally unique approach. So we were thrilled to include her as one of the authors who contributed to our moment of choice. And um, I think that her work is particularly important right now. So Jude, welcome, welcome. Uh, and I would love you to just tell us a little bit about why you believe that this is our moment of choice. Well, thank you, Deborah. It's always wonderful to be together. And <laughs> <laughs> I guess in one sense, we've been sensing that a moment of choice was coming. And, you know, when any system, whether it be an ecosystem or human, our collective human family, um, a moment does come where the old ways of being are unsustainable and they come to that point. And, uh, and then you get a situation where actually it tends to happen at the same time. There is a breakdown and a breakthrough, but there's a mm -hmm. moment that that is a moment of choice. Mm -hmm. And my perspective is that, you know, as a collective human family, we have had a, a, a general worldview up until this point, um, certainly in the West, of, of essentially materialist separation. We've had a science that tells us that the world is about separate things and, and, and is solely material. And we're now actually at the forefront of compelling evidence at all scales of existence and across numerous fields of research that that's fundamentally flawed. And instead, we're literally rediscovering what the ancient wisdom teachers have told us, what indigenous teachers have told us, what spiritual teachers have told us for so long, that actually our universe exists and evolves as a unified and sentient entity, literally a thought, a great thought rather than a great thing, where mind and consciousness aren't something we have, they're literally what we and the whole world are. So we're at a moment now in our human journey where First of all, we're at a point of unsustainability. We cannot go on as we are um, with a worldview of separation that has driven a worldview of uh, has driven a world of suffering. We're actually having the evidence now that converges with spiritually based teachings, mm -hmm. wisdom teachings, indigenous teachings, to show us the integral nature of reality. And so that, for me, is a game changer because it actually gives us authentic hope. It gives us the inspiration and empowers us at this, what has to be a moment of choice, mm -hmm. because we can't have a longer term wait for a moment of choice, but it gives us all that authenticity and inspiration and underpinning and grounding to make a choice to instead of fall into fear, to literally leap into love. 
leap into love. I love that. And, and Jude, I want to bring up another concept that I learned from you in your most recent book, Gaia, Her Story, not History. <laughs> um, you talk about the five great extinctions yeah. and how the earth always not only recovered life from those e events, but at a next level. And, oh, it gives me chills just even thinking about this concept that perhaps the, the dinosaurs had to leave to make way for a higher order of consciousness, of intelligence, of, of a different kind of life. So all of this talk about are we in the process of the sixth great extinction and is it going to take us out? Uh, when I think about this concept, then it gives me hope that it's actually a moment of evolution where something amazing could emerge. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And, and just to say that the book sort of has gone to be called now the story of Gaia, but it's certainly <laughs> Gaia's story. It Absol is her story. <laughs> it's always her story. Absolutely. Um, yes. What we find is that when we look at the whole arc of biological evolution, of course, biological evolution began about 4 billion years ago. By that stage, the universe had evolved from simplistic complexity from 13.8 billion years ago. So what a journey that was to actually come to the opportunity for our planetary home to be able to nurture biological life mm. and its complexity and its evolutionary arc. So yeah, every time from the very beginning of that particular journey, there's been a, a sort of wave of evolution from simplicity to complexity. And what's happened after a certain period of time, and it can be hundreds of millions of years, a point's come where the, the most complex forms of life had almost run their course, mm. almost run their course. And in most cases, the breakdown was one that was imposed by Gaia. But at each time of a breakdown, then, as you say, a new arc, a new wave of evolutionary um, journey from simplicity to even greater complexity. So, yes, 66 million years ago, when the, you know, the asteroid hit and the dinosaurs died, they literally probably come to the end of their evolutionary arc because they'd been evolving for 100 million years or more. But what it gave was it gave the opportunity for those little shrew-like mammals that were living and scuttling about in the undergrowth and mainly at night to, to, to sort of take on their own evolutionary journey. It seems to me two things. First of all, at each point, of those mass extinctions and then the breakthroughs, instead of evolution proceeding slowly and linearly and over time, long time frames, a huge amount of what's called horizontal gene transfer was happening. Very, very rapid changes actually going through the intelligence and the informational templates of the whole of the biosphere. And it's, it's quite extraordinary. And Viruses are key change agents in that horizontal gene transfer. Here we are, here we yes. are, where we're at a point where we cannot evolve further unless we consciously evolve. We've come to the point of, you know, our biological complexity, but unless we consciously evolved, perhaps, yes, we are doomed to be extinct. 
because Gaia will find a way of carrying on that intelligent mm-hmm. evolutionary arc. And yet here we are waking up, waking up to remember we're inseparable, waking up to realize that we are, you know, microcosmic co-creators of our entire universe. Waking up, I hope, at the end of reading the story of Gaia to remember we're Gaians. And instead of horizontal gene transfer, although that might be part of it, our conscious evolution could be driven by horizontal meme transfer. New ideas of who we are, old ideas, remembered of who we really are. So in this, in this moment of choice, what is it that people can do to, be, be, to engage with that uh, conscious evolution, which is actually what our evolutionary leader circle is all about? So how, how can people um, individually make a difference in that enormous arc of evolution? Very easily. Uh, we talk at Whole Worldview of acting local, feeling global, thinking cosmic, what we've just described as cosmic, incredible journey of our universe. But bring that down into everyone's lived lives. Perhaps be open to a practice, a regular, perhaps daily, hopefully, practice of reconnection, whether it's, uh, whether it's gardening, being in nature, meditating, yoga, whatever it is that helps us to connect with our heart song and helps us connect with that oneness, that unity of which we're all part. There are many other ways, um, but I, 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 that's one. Two, never think any action is too small to count mm-hmm. because this world is nonlinear. A tiny act of kindness can absolutely unleash a wave of compassion and transformational change. And, 43 of us, 43 of us, I think it was, came together to write, to co-write, co-create our moment of choice from many, 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 many different directions, but all of whom have this underpinning, underlying framing of unity and unity of consciousness. And if there's a, a single chapter or a single sentence in the book that speaks to someone, that can be that first step mm. on that or a next step on that road home. Thank you so much, Dr. Jude Curvin. Always an inspiration and a joy to be with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Deborah. Lots of love. Well, Deborah and Jude, thanks so much for that inspiring discussion. And it offers us a perfect opportunity to go over now to a message from the publishers of our moment of choice, Beyond Words, Simon & Schuster, with a message about the book, Our Moment of Choice, Evolutionary Visions and Hope for the Future, just released now in May in paperback. Hello, this is Richard Cohn, publisher of Beyond Words. We are very honored to be partnering with Simon & Schuster and the Synergy Foundation to bring you a new thought-provoking book for these challenging times. It is called Our Moment of Choice, and it features 43 of the world's most well-known spiritual thinkers, offering practical solutions to the most pressing problems of our time, from economic inequality and social injustice to climate change and spiritual disconnection. 
Deepak Chopra offers his thoughts on how our inherent wholeness is not a choice, while Greg Braden suggests that we can change our world by first realizing that none of us are separate from each other. Lynn McTaggart investigates the link between altruism and self-healing. Michael Bernard Beckwith, Bruce Lipton, and many others share their thoughts on moving forward in ways that expand our consciousness and benefit the global community. Our moment of choice calls on us all to be the co-creators of a just, unified, peaceful, and thriving world. The time has come for all humanity to be united in purpose. This is our call to action. This is our collective moment of choice upon which our future depends. You can purchase your copy today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Beyond Words, or your local independent bookstore. Welcome back to the Convergence on Voice America. This is your Voice America host, Dr. Kurt Johnson, and we're enjoying the stimulating program, Humanity's Moment of Choice, Voices for a Thriving Future, bringing you well-known authors and filmmakers from the book just released in paperback, Our Moment of Choice, Evolutionary Visions and Hope for the Future. Now we're gonna go next to a new discussion starting with a short but pivotal message from Dr. Elizabeth Sartoris, who in our moment of choice wrote the moving afterward, a letter for the future. Dr. Sartoris is a celebrated evolutionary biologist and activist and author of Gaia Dance, Earth Dance and other books, and is going to plant the seed for our next discussion here, which will be about consciousness and the role and place of consciousness in evolution and our future. You can find out much more about Dr. Sartoris at sartoris.com, that's S-A-H-T-O-U-R-I-S, and at the Voice America show page. So over now to that message from Dr. Elizabeth Sartoris. For me, uh, as an evolution biologist and working with the linear timeline of the physical world, I'm really very much aware of something that science pays so little attention to, which is that it is always now. So our yeah. moment of choice is always now. It's right here and now. We have a choice at every moment of our lives, don't we? <laughs> This, this is a very important issue to me, too, that, that, that this nowness, because we are so used to remembering the past in order to have our grudges and judgments and all that stuff, you know, that we do from things that are actually already in the past. And uh, and we and and then all that planning that we have to do all the time to go to the future. And for all that we've been taught by all the spiritual teachers to meditate and to be in the now, we have real trouble living in the now. Uh, so it, it's a very important issue. And I mentioned that that Western science, which I was trained in, and which most of us think as science, the science. How can there be any other science? Uh, but I've spent a lot of time studying the other sciences of the planet, which look at the same universe from different perspectives. And, uh, and, and 
So Western science not only ignores the fact that it is always now, but it also ignores the fact that nothing we experience is outside of our own consciousness and that each of us have a unique perspective on a whole conscious universe from who we individually are. So within that whole, we are we are there with a perspective that can encompass the whole universe, but from this unique meanness or, you know, this one soul, this one's mind-body-soul uh, has a perspective that no other mind-body-soul does. So how can these two very important matters of it's always now and everything in our whole universe and experience of life is coming through our consciousness. Thank you so much, Dr. Sartoris. And thank you again for the moving afterward that you wrote as a letter to your great-grandchild in our moment of choice. So you have set us up perfectly for more conversations now about consciousness, what it is and what its role is in our evolution at this moment of choice in our human history. So to explore that more, we're going to go now to Dr. Julie Kroll, a member of the evolutionary leaders who will also be one of our summer hosts here on these Voice America specials. She is going to begin with sharing a direct quotation from Diane Marie Williams, co-founder of the evolutionary leaders and founder of its sponsoring organization the Source of Synergy Foundation. And this quotation will lead us into a discussion that Dr. Julie will have with four of our Moment of Choice authors, Dr. Eben Alexander, Karen Newell, Diane Marie Williams, and Dr. Claudia Wells. Dr. Crow will give you more information about each of these guests, and there are also full bios for them at the Voice America show page. These authors contributed to the author's circle in our moment of choice entitled, New Frontiers Beyond Space and Time. So let's go over now to Dr. Julie Kroll and her four guests, starting with that direct quotation from Diane Marie Williams. Diane Marie Williams says, it's our moment to upshift to the next level of human evolution. Are you ready? To operate at the most advanced level that human beings can possess. Our very survival is at stake as well as the survival of all precious life on planet Earth. Our moment of choice is at hand. Do we choose mass extinction or mass evolution where we usher in humanity's biggest collective consciousness shift in history? We're going to dig into this consciousness shift and look at the inner space and the role of the heart for clues to our evolution. Can the shift begin with love? Stay tuned. I invite you to take a few deep breaths, open your mind and heart, and settle into your essential wholeness as I introduce our guests. And today we have four amazing luminaries with an incredible message to deliver to you today. So I am going to abbreviate these introductions because I want to get right into the topic and this conversation. So I'm encouraging you to go to the website and read more about each of these guests. They are incredible. We'll begin here with Dr. Eben Alexander. Dr. Alexander was an academic neurosurgeon for over 25 years 
and he's the author of the New York Times number one bestseller, Proof of Heaven, The Map of Heaven, and Living in a Mindful Universe. Karen Newell is an author and specialist in personal development with a diverse body of work that rests upon the foundation of a heart-centered consciousness. She's the co-founder of Sacred Acoustics and co-author with Eben Alexander of Living in a Mindful Universe. Claudia Wells is chairman of the Institute of Noetic Science and with the Global Coherence Initiative. She's also on the board of Space for Humanity and is chair of the Invest in Yourself Working Group at Nexus Global Network. And Diane Marie Williams is the founder and president of the Source of Synergy Foundation. She was the initiator with Deepak Chopra of one of its main projects, the Evolutionary Leaders Circle. And that circle has produced the book we're talking about today, Our Moment of Choice. I'm so happy to have all four of you with me. This is a first for me, by the way, to have four guests. So welcome, everyone. Thanks so much. Thank you, Julie. Thank you, Judy. Yes, I'm I'm looking forward to this. And and we've had three now with this book because the voices are so incredible. And I'll tell you what, as I introduce um, some of the first questions, uh, there's a really powerful theme here that I can't wait to dig into with all of you. But first, we have a traditional first question here on the show. And I usually like to just set our conversation in a larger whole worldview. And so I'm going to give the, our traditional question with a twist and ask each of you if you would respond to this. So we're going to begin with this. If you could share with our listeners, what does all things connected mean to you during these evolutionary times and this moment of choice? And Dr. Eben, I'm going to start with you. Well, I think uh, it really points to oneness and how Um, You know, we can talk about oneness and be interested in the connections we share, and yet at a very deep level, when we investigate the universe and the nature of consciousness and the nature of reality, we find that there is this uh, kind of process of natural synthesis that organically uh, brings us all together, uh, that we're all sharing in the growth of the the one mind and kind of the the one soul, uh, binding force of love, and that's, uh, to me, it. Great. Karen, do you want to add to that? Yes, I would say, you know, that it's really important to look at this from a personal perspective. And one way to easily do that is through the golden rule, which we're all so familiar with. And of course, in these days, that is so prevalent that each of our behaviors is actually affecting people around us literally now with this virus pandemic going on. And so the, the, palpability of all things connected is so much more evident when we're having this kind of hardship. Mm, Great addition to that, Karen. Thank you. And Diane. Yeah, all things connected. I love that. And I love that it's the title of your show. And I just think that that means that our essence is source, which is a single field of consciousness out of which everything emerges, where we're united as one and we're connected to all that is, all that was, and all that ever will be. Mm. Beautiful. And finally, Claudia. Thank you for the question, Julie, and for your answer, even in Karen and Diane. I just want to, um, as Karen was saying, I take the question really 
personally. I take the subject very personally. And for me, being interconnected or being connected or oneness or however we talk about it, to consider how to behave within that knowing. So everything is one, everything is connected, but then the, the next questions are how and, and what does this mean for how I am in the world? And what I have realized myself is just how essential an understanding of the human heart is in answering those questions. Mm, Claudia, that's a beautiful introduction for us. Thank you for that. Because I also, when I looked at this circle, this the, our moment of choice book is, is broken into seven circles. And all of you have written a chapter within that circle. And the chapter talks about moving, you know, from outer space to the inner space. And each and every one of you are experts. And we could talk on so many incredibly rich subjects, including this single field of consciousness that we're talking about. But the fun thing that's emerging from the writings um, that, that I've really looked at when I, when I was reading this and preparing for the show is that each of you really look at our human heart and that power, that superpower of the heart to come forward. And so it's going to be fun to muse in and to really listen to each of you even speaking to the other one. But I'm going to, I'm going to begin first before we dig into the heart and the role of, of even love in the evolution of consciousness here. But I'm going to begin with, with um, Dr. Eben and Karen, you wrote your chapter together. And let's begin with the scientific revolution that's been brewing over the nature of consciousness. You write about the science of consciousness. Can you give us just a, a Cliff Notes version on consciousness and what we're talking about here in that single field that Diane had mentioned and that Claudia is so passionate about as well? And then I'll get all of your voices in on this. Evan? Yes, that's an excellent question. And uh, from my point of view, when I look back at it from a scientific perspective over the last few centuries in terms of kind of focusing our notions of, of, of what is reality, uh, it's very important to point out that the advent of quantum physics in the early 20th century was absolutely a major turning point. Because essentially what that showed us is when you probe very deeply into that physical world around us and uh, scratch the surface and get all the way down to subatomic particles, what you realize is that none of it uh, exists in a way that can be uh, independent of the observing mind. So essentially, quantum physics was trying to drive us towards this primacy of, of mind. Erwin Schrodinger and others wrote about that extensively. And then what's happened is in the neuroscience of consciousness and philosophy of mind as we progressed in the 20th and early 21st century, uh, we found that there's a tremendous uh, uh, evidence for non-local consciousness, uh, for things like telepathy, uh, you know, psychokinesis, uh, remote viewing, uh, ways that we can discern information and also influence uh, the world at a distance. Uh, uh, and, and all this then meshes into some of the spiritual traditions like healing and the power of prayer. And we start realizing it's all about the same thing. It's really about that one mind. Uh, in, in so many ways, the universe is conscious. Uh, and every sentient being has an intimate and personal sharing 
of that existence of, of universal consciousness in their own sentience. And we're discovering how much there is an overlap and in many ways how the will of the of each and every uh, individual sentient being has a tremendous influence on the emerging will of the universe. Uh, but it's really discovering this, this incredible uh, unification of uh, what we previously thought was so separate, you know, separate minds are not really so separate. And the NDE community and the evolution of science around consciousness has, has just continued to amplify that sense of oneness. Mm. Now, I'm sure our listeners can go, yeah, I could listen to each and every one of you, and you each could have written a book on this very topic just alone. But Karen, do you want to expand on on what Dr. Evan has said? Yes. Well, you know, it's one thing to talk about the science of all of this, but what does it really mean to me, to us as individuals? And what Evan is really saying is rather remarkable. And what it does is it puts the responsibility for our reality on each and every one of us. And so many of us walking around with this materialist kind of philosophy that the physical world exists and we are part of that physical world, it's flipped upside down. We're actually a spiritual essence uh, residing in a physical world. And once you realize that the spiritual essence is actually causing what's happening in the physical world, that's where that responsibility comes into play. And so many of us, you know, this is happening whether we realize it or not. It's not like you can choose to participate. We are all participants. And so that's where, you know, our moment of choice is so relevant because it really, each of us needs to make that choice. Are we going to be aware of this, that this is how the world works, or are we not going to be aware? And personally, being more aware gives much, much more uh, ability to feel empowered in our individual lives. So it's a wonderful philosophy to be bringing into our reality right now, metaphysical idealism that only consciousness exists. That is huge uh, to each and every one of us when we really absorb what that means. Mm. It's so true, Karen. Thank you for that. And, and you know, we've been talking during this series about it being more than the science and more than the, the spiritual experience. And, and how do we bring this into this convergence of really the, the mind and the heart of this? And we're going to get into that a little bit more. But first, I just want to see, Diane, do you want to expand on the idea of the universe's conscious and this single field of consciousness? Yes, and also what you just said, I think the science and the spiritual are really merging. We're seeing that so much more. Um, and we something that Nikola Tesla once said, the day science begins to study the non-physical phenomena, it will make more progress in one decade than in all the previous centuries of its existence. And I think we're in that time right now. And I was just thinking, as Eben and Karen were speaking, um, I'm part of uh, Lynn McTaggart's Intention Essentials class. And it's amazing when you tap into this limitless mind, this expanded mind, what you can do, what your potential is as a human being. And she's literally seeing thousands of people healing just because people are using the power intention of intention to make change and really putting your heart um, together with other hearts and really focusing your attention on supporting others in their healing process. So I think that's just an example of what our mind, what our powers can do um, when we merge the science and the spiritual. 
Yeah, and, and here sits Claudia on the cutting edge of all of this with the noetic science background. Claudia, what can you add? Can you uh, say the question again, Julie? Is there a particular question? Yeah, there's so many ways to go with this. There is, Claudia, and I'm just trying to get an an introduction for our listeners on literally the science of consciousness and where we're at, where we're sitting in 2020 during this moment of choice with what we know about consciousness and, and this evolutionary edge that we sit on. Is there anything like that jumps out at you that's really emergent in this moment about consciousness and how it fits into this conversation? Yeah, thank you. I tend to talk less about consciousness than about coherence because consciousness has so many different meanings to so many different people. And often in these conversations, we can't even agree on what consciousness is. Yeah. However, we, we do have a pretty precise understanding of coherence and when it seems to be um, pervading a system and not. And so for me, what this whole conversation means, just connecting to this moment and just really speaking from my heart, because this can be a really intellectual conversation too, but I'm, I'm called to speak more from a heart space. This moment of global pause that we're in, where as uh, Swami Beyondananda says, our reality checks are bouncing, is a a real opportunity because our reality checks are bouncing. That means we're open to considering that what what we've been doing isn't working. And so what do we need to do differently or how do we need to be differently? And that's where the conversation around oneness is tricky too because we can say we're all one, but our experience doesn't really reflect that truth. So... There's this really wonderful um, way of thinking about that there's what's real and there's what's true. And I would say what's true and, and what science is pointing to is true more and more is this fundamental connectedness of everything. But what's real in our experience is that there's a lot of division and incoherence. So my, my message is just... Um, if I bring in the Institute of Noetic Sciences, you know, our founder, Edgar Mitchell, who had this epiphany of oneness in space, if you think of the precision that we needed to have in our scientific understanding to get Edgar Mitchell into space and onto the moon, we now are gaining a similar precision in terms of understanding the power of the human heart in creating a coherence that can actually bring about an experience of oneness, a real embodied experience of oneness on the planet. And um, that's what I'm, yeah, that's what I'm really most interested to share. Well, thank you, Claudia, for closing out that conversation. And thank you, Dr. Julie Kroll, for bringing that discussion together with these authors from our Moment of Choices circle on New Frontiers Beyond Space and Time. In that section, Eben Alexander and Karen Newell wrote on liberating our human potential, Diane Marie Williams on activating our superpowers, and Claudia Wells on humanity's change of heart. So again, a great setup for us to go now to a second message from the publishers of our moment of choice, Beyond Words, Simon & Schuster. 
telling us more about this book, which is now available in paperback. So over now to that message. Hello, this is Richard Cohn, publisher of Beyond Words. We are very honored to be partnering with Simon & Schuster and the Synergy Foundation to bring you a new thought-provoking book for these challenging times. It is called Our Moment of Choice, and it features 43 of the world's most well-known spiritual thinkers, offering practical solutions to the most pressing problems of our time, from economic inequality and social injustice to climate change and spiritual disconnection. Deepak Chopra offers his thoughts on how our inherent wholeness is not a choice, while Greg Braden suggests that we can change our world by first realizing that none of us are separate from each other. Lynn McTaggart investigates the link between altruism and self-healing. Michael Bernard Beckwith, Bruce Lipton, and many others share their thoughts on moving forward in ways that expand our consciousness and benefit the global community. Our moment of choice calls on us all to be the co-creators of a just, unified, peaceful, and thriving world. The time has come for all humanity to be united in purpose. This is our call to action. This is our collective moment of choice upon which our future depends. You can purchase your copy today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Beyond Words, or your local independent bookstore. Welcome back to the Convergence on Voice America. This is your Voice America host, Dr. Kurt Johnson, and we're enjoying this stimulating program, Humanity's Moment of Choice, Voices for a Thriving Future, bringing you well-known authors and filmmakers from the book just released in paperback, Our Moment of Choice, Evolutionary Visions and Hope for the Future. Now we're going to go now to our final segment with more authors from Our Moment of Choice, and then rejoining the book's editors to close out. And we're going to start with John Perkins, the New York Times bestselling author of Confessions of an Economic Hitman, and most recently the well-known books Touching the Jaguar and The World Is As You Dream It. You can find out more about John at johnperkins.org and at the Voice America show page. In step with the question that we've asked all of our guests, We've asked once again about how humanity's moment of choice looks today in 2022, especially in light of the original chapter that John contributed to our moment of choice, Reasons for Optimism, Transforming to a Life Economy. So let's go over now to author and transformative activist, John Perkins. At this moment of choice, I think we should all feel very blessed to be alive right now. We have arrived at a period in human history that's been prophesized by cultures around the world. Many of us are familiar with the 2012 prophecy of the Mayan people that often is looked at as a doomsday prophecy, but actually it's quite the opposite. The Eagle and the Condor prophecy, 
the prophecy of the 14th Dalai Lama in the, in the Himalayas. There are prophecies in just about every major culture that we have arrived at a time that has been foreseen for hundreds, perhaps thousands of years as a very critical and pivotal moment in time. And you're part of it. <laughs> We're all part of it. And I think we should feel blessed. Uh, you know, we've, we've been watching for couple of decades now, how the climate is changing. And many people didn't get it two decades ago, but increasingly we've understood this. But you know, we've seen this as, as a local event. Uh, if I was hit by a hurricane, which was a once, a once in a lifetime hurricane, once, a, once in a hundred year hurricane that happened to come hmm, every few years now, if I get hit by that and I survive it, I expect the outside world to come to my assistance to bring me water and food and help me rebuild later. Same for fires and earthquakes and so on. Oh, we may understand that these are caused by global climate change. Intellectually, we understand that, but we really see these as local events. The pandemic, the coronavirus, has taught us that it's global. It's taught us that everybody on the planet, in fact, every life form on this planet is impacted by a microscopic virus. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It's brought us all together. And it's taught us that we can change. Because every one of us, including my friends deep in the Amazon rainforest, have had to change. We, we can change, and we can even enjoy the changes. And I'm not in any way negating all the horrible suffering, and the deaths, and, 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 and all the problems that have occurred. But I am saying that also, I've written a book during that period. People have learned to play the flute <laughs> or all kinds of different things that we have set all our lives on. Hey, I want to do this. And the pandemic may have brought some of us the opportunity to do that. In any case, it's taught us that we can change and we can enjoy the change. And now we must realize that what we've created is something that economists are increasingly calling a death economy, an economic system that is destroying itself, consuming itself into extinction that is based on the goal of maximizing short-term profits and short-term consumerism, materialistic consumerism. And it's taken us to this economic system that in the short term is destroying the long-term potentials. And now we're in the long term. So we need to understand that we have to move into a life economy, an economic system that pays people to clean up pollution, to regenerate destroyed environments, to recycle, to develop new technologies that don't ravage the earth anymore. And we're all part of this. You are part of this. That's why you're listening to that. this. That's why you're here now. You're part of it. We're blessed to be part of this. And yes, it's extremely challenging. But don't we all love challenges? And this is a big challenge. So here we are at this moment in time, we are poised on the brink of the precipice, but you and I have the opportunity to push us back from that precipice, to reverse our march toward destruction and to move instead toward something new and glorious, toward a life economy, the type of economic system that humans have lived with for most of our 250,000 years, in fact, you know, 
All of our ancestors and indigenous people have lived with this kind of regenerative economic system that they always knew they had to make the world at least as good as or better than their world for future generations. And we're part of that heritage, even though we've deviated from it during the past few decades, maybe go back even a few centuries. But it's time now for us to realize that at this moment in time, we have the opportunity to do something incredible, something beautiful, something incredible. You and I are blessed to be here at this moment of time and to be able to respond to this challenge and to turn these crises into tremendous opportunities. Thank you for being here. And I look forward to joining you in this moment of time to march forward, to transform this failed degenerative death economy into a regenerative, sustainable, successful life economy. Well, thanks so much, John Perkins, and for challenging us once again to step into that vision of a life economy, which I'm sure is the dream we all share. Now, we're going to close out now first with Dr. Lori Layden, and so appropriately, as Dr. Layden is an internationally known trauma and healing professional and the founder of Create Global Healing and producer of the award-winning film, When I Was Young, I Said I Would Be Happy. And we've asked Dr. Layden to also share with us a short meditation that we can all share. So you can find out more about Dr. Layden at createglobalhealing.org and at the Voice America show page. Let's go over now then to that message and meditation. Hi, I'm Lori Layden, and I'm deeply honored to be a contributor to the Evolutionary Leaders Circle book, Our Moment of Choice, Evolutionary Visions and Hope for the Future. This book and my vision for the future are needed now more than ever. As a trauma healing expert and spiritual mentor, I've worked in some of the most traumatized communities in our world, including Rwanda with genocide survivors, Australia with Aboriginal and refugee communities, and right here in the United States in post-school shooting cities. From this work, I believe that healing unresolved trauma and regaining our resiliency is one of the greatest challenges and opportunities of our time. Focusing on healing trauma hardly needs any justification when the world is experiencing so much unimaginable individual and collective trauma. Even now, as I record this, I'm learning of the Robb Elementary School shooting, which took the lives of 14 children, a teacher and the shooter. We are way overdue. If we don't commit to healing trauma now, then when? The good news is we have the technology and innovative therapies like the GRACE process, EFT tapping, heart coherence, and Project Light to create healed and heart-centered peace builders worldwide. Based on my passion for healing my own childhood traumas, I've dedicated my life to supporting our next generation of young people to heal, work, and lead us into a peaceful future. That includes supporting parents, educators, and mental health professionals who nurture young people, for them to commit to their own healing as well. I deeply mourn for all of those who are impacted by violence and disasters that plague our world. But because of my work, I'm blessed to see the miracles that can come from tragedy 
when people heal their traumas and open to peace in their hearts and peace in our world. My work focuses on healing hearts into coherence, a state where the heart, brain, body are in physiological alignment. From this place, we have access to our highest divine peace-building gifts, forgiveness, inner wisdom, creative problem-solving, spiritual connectedness, and transcendence. I hope you'll read my chapter and our book to learn more details about how important your contribution is to healing trauma and evolving peace in our world. But before I close, I'd like to offer this very, very brief heart coherence meditation that I hope you will return to as often as you feel the need to. And so I invite you now to simply get into a comfortable position, closing your eyes, and if it feels comfortable, to place your hands on your heart and simply begin by focusing on your breath bringing your breath all the way to the belly, exhaling any tension you may be holding, taking in a soothing breath, feeling how good it feels to simply take a moment to be, erasing the blackboard of your mind, and placing your consciousness in your heart, knowing that your heart will know just what to do. And with your consciousness in your heart, I invite you to imagine an infinity circuit that connects your heart with the divine one heart, or whatever you refer to as source. From this place, to know that whatever you choose to heal in yourself sets up a resonance field for that healing to unfold in our world so that truly your greatest service work in the world is in being in service to your own healing. From this place, imagine a world full of people who have the healing that you're seeking. What might be possible for your healing, for our children's healing, for our world healing? Imagine hearts around the world lighting up with the healing that you're seeking. Sending that healing to whoever and wherever you feel called in the world. And breathing that into every cell in your body. Becoming aware of your heart once again. And simply breathing into this dream, breathing into what's possible. 
when enough of us choose to find peace in our hearts and peace in our world. And with a few healing breaths now, just gently, when you feel ready, opening your eyes. Thank you for taking this time with me to dream a dream for yourself, our children, and our world. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Lori Layden, for that message and for that shared meditation. So much to take in in this last hour, in which we've all been sharing about humanity's moment of choice and giving thanks for these voices for a thriving future. Our final message following on this reflection and meditation by Dr. Lori Layden is from Locke Kelly, author of the chapter in our moment of choice, The Current Science of Awakening. So what a good way to conclude our program together. Locke is the author of the Nautilus Award-winning book, Shift into Freedom, The Science and Practice of Open-Hearted Awareness, and the subsequent award-winning book, The Way of Effortless Mindfulness, a Revolutionary Guide for Living an Awakened Life. So we asked Locke to close us out with a message reminding us all of the awakened life and our commit to it. And you can find out more about Locke Kelly at LockKelly.org and also at the Voice America show page. My name is Locke Kelly, and I'm so glad to be here today to conclude this wonderful program and to reflect on our moment of choice. So it's so fortunate that we have within us this resource, which has been called throughout timeless histories of cultures and ages through wisdom traditions and contemplative communities, awakening. And what are we awakening from? We are awakening from this small separate self. And certainly that leads to our sense of separation, of division and duality that creates this conflict and tension. And what do we awaken to? We awaken to our already interconnected, what Thich Nhat Hanh calls interbeing, to a sense of this dimension of our consciousness which isn't just a fight or flight or survival of the fittest, but even deeper than that is this essential basic goodness, this sense that we are a community of living creatures. So if we can find a way through recognizing our trauma and our difficulties, acknowledging that and healing these within us, as well as subtly finding a way through contemplation or meditation or compassionate action to connect to ourselves as we are the change that we look for. And then from here, we can find that subtle dimension of loving presence that sense where we're already connected and from which we can draw that courage 
and that sense of willingness to take the next action toward the betterment of all beings. So this is a great opportunity and a choice that we can make each day. It's already here within us. And so it can begin with that shift, that dropping from our fearful, stressful headspace into our open-hearted awareness, into this heart-mind, dropping from head to heart, and then opening to that boundless heart, that interconnected unity consciousness that is not a passive state, but is a place from which we can see clearly that we're already connected and that we feel toward others in this naturally compassionate way that leads to action, service, and a small action which is usually connected to whatever your particular talent is, whatever your interests, whatever your local and global community, whatever sense that you can contribute. So thank you all for being here and we'll all choose together to connect. Look forward to meeting you in person sometime and wishing you all the best and all those around the world. Let's just take a moment to drop within that which is already connected and send this compassionate energy to those who are suffering and who need to know that we're here with them. Many blessings. Be well. So thank you. And I think we're ready now to thank all of our guests. Thank you so much. It's been an amazing time together. And then to join once again our editors of Our Moment of Choice, Evolutionary Visions and Hope for the Future. So I'm going over now to rejoin them. So, wow, and and really thank you all so much. I mean, for wrapping this program in what has been a truly inspiring hour plus on not only humanity's moment of choice, but also evolutionary visions and hope for the future and voices for a thriving future. So I'm joined now again by the co-editors of our moment of choice, the Reverend Deborah Moldau, Director of the Evolutionary Leaders, Dr. Robert Atkinson, who is truly the lead editor on this amazing book from the Evolutionary Leaders. Nearly a dozen of its contributors you have just heard from in this wonderful time that we've just spent together. So I want to ask both of you, Deborah and Bob, now to each speak for just a few minutes yourselves on the question that we've asked each of our guests. How does humanity's moment of choice look to you today in 2022, a year or more after the original release of the original book, Our Moment of Choice, Evolutionary Visions and Hope for the Future, and especially in light of what you've just heard further shared by your fellow contributors to the book? So, Bob? Thanks, Kurt. I just want to say a big thank you to all of you who are here sharing this with this moment with us. And just to offer a concluding thought, it's, it's truly inspiring that all the contributors of this remarkable book offer such a profound collective vision of global transformation, leading us 
to our inherent wholeness, to our collective maturity, and to our unity and diversity as a human family. We are the ones who need to be telling our unitive stories to help facilitate a successful transformation to the next level of human consciousness. With our precarious future in the balance and a global shift in consciousness well underway, we need to make every choice we are faced with a conscious choice to harness our collective power and choose a life-affirming, flourishing future. And in thinking about everything we've just heard from all the other contributors in, in this moment today, it's, uh, and, and what's still with us in 2022, I think even more that this is our Paul Revere moment, except that for those who remember early American history, while the midnight ride of Paul Revere was for independence, our midnight ride is to raise a voice in the darkness, to spread the alarm throughout the land for interdependence. The fate of a nation, the fate of the planet, rides on all of us heeding this call to action. This is our moment to unite in purpose, to ensure our collective well-being, to spread respect, compassion, and cooperation. The very nature of the evolution of consciousness gives us an, an abiding hope for the future. In this moment of great need, let us choose wisely and consciously. Let us each find our own way to be the light that replaces darkness in the world. Tend to the vibration of your heart. Bring your own inner peace outward by being kind to everyone you encounter. Make gratitude, love, joy, and wonder your way of life. Let us stand up for humanity with an open heart. Let us live in the wholeness that surrounds us all. Yeah, Bob, thank you so much. Wow, what a metaphor. Now, over, Deborah. Ah, uh, yes, Bob, let us be the light, indeed. Thank you. Uh, my perspective as an interfaith minister is a spiritual one. I believe there is a global spirituality that is emerging just at this time to help us through the multiple crises that we're facing as a human family. And perhaps the key element of this spirituality is that every individual has inherent value, regardless of any cultural differences that appear to separate us. If we can begin to experience the wholeness of our humanity and our interconnectedness with the entirety of the natural world, then perhaps we can learn to live into the next level of our evolution in mutual respect and even love facing our challenges together. Our recent crises have made it clearer than ever that we value peace, we value healing, and we need to live in harmony with our beautiful Mother Earth. Kurt and Bob, it really lifts my spirits to hear so many hopeful voices for a thriving future. Our moment of choice embodies the spirit of the evolutionary leaders circle by affirming that everyone's voice is needed and everyone's commitment to action. 
now when the urgency of the moment is more apparent than ever before, it is more important than ever to bring forth the vision and the action steps that can lead us away from the destructive patterns that no longer serve us into a future where we manifest the creativity and caring of the one human race to which we all belong. This is truly our moment of choice. Well, I guess that says it so well. Thank you, the Reverend Deborah Moldau and Dr. Robert Atkinson for joining us as co-hosts on this program and as co-editors of our Moment of Choice, Evolutionary Visions and Hope for the Future. As Deborah just said, it is so important in these challenging times that we lift up voices for a thriving future. So thanks to all of you. Now we're going to be back with you soon again on the convergence as June 2022 unfolds, since June is the month for the international events around the World Unity Week and the International Day of Yoga. We'll be posting in mid-June an inspiring program from our evolutionary leaders, Peace and Unity and Unitive Justice and Global Security Synergy Circles that is entitled Humanity's Moment of Choice, Choosing Peace. Watch for that at this show page around June 10th. And again with the program later in June from the evolutionary leaders yoga and spiritual practice synergy circle for the International Day of Yoga, which happens every year on June 21st. And as usual in those programs, we'll be bringing you some of your favorite luminaries and global leaders. So we're easy to find, just Google the Convergence at Voice America, and the show page will have the roster for all of the upcoming shows, as well as the archives of all of our shows for the past. So until we join you again, be safe, be well, and let's be a part of a truly thriving future.